Claxby Hill. We had a very long, we made Norwegian style sledging. Let's go and find her. Where are you going, Master? For a drink. Okay, yeah. You guys want anything else? Um, three butter beers and some ginger and wine, please. Six shots of giggle water. Pete, oh, great, huh? This snake juice is basically rat poison. Spent my whole life right here in Lackawanna County. Drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! Yeah. <laughs> I really wish we could have used that, uh, um, I named my tomatoes in the victory garden after him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is recording, so you can always edit. I guess it's true. I guess we could go ahead and start now. This thing has been recording the whole time. Yes. Yes, no, it has. I've made some poor life choices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm saving the pre-roll for posterity, so uh, it, it'll, well, well, it'll we have probably show We have to have blooper reels. Uh, that's, that's true. true. That's true. Well, I guess if anyone happens to be um, listening into this, it's not just me and Cody right now. Again, we are joined uh, by our good friends, Dallas and Tyler. Um, this has be- through, kind of become... Through a- the magic of Doctor Strange portals. <laughs> yes, they have exactly. Portals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We don't, they don't actually step through the portal. They just open it, and we stay six feet apart. <laughs> And that's how we have that's how we have the conversation. But we, uh, I wonder it, it, how many how many Avengers got coronavirus after that. Oh gosh! <laughs> Too soon. They did not social Too distance. soon. Too soon. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, what well, we've we realized, especially after the Star Wars episode, that uh, this is the um, we're no good alone tank. Oh yeah, exactly. We're no good alone. <laughs> that, that this is this is the perfect think tank, uh, hive mind, if you will, to take on the big franchises. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Bring it on. Uh, and so this one, we're going to talk about Marvel. Yeah. That's such yeah. a. Gosh, it feels like a. It's it stopped feeling like a. Uh, see, like series of movies more than it did. It's just like a season of a television show that had like what a twenty billion dollar budget, and every episode was two and a half hours long. Yeah. I mean, the average network, the average network TV season is twenty three episodes. <laughs> right? The movies were there. Yeah. yeah, it's two and a half seasons of Sherlock. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, and only some of them had the writing caliber. Um, Very true. (laughs) Very true. So it's when when we were talking about how we were going to break this episode down. It uh, it's hard because there's so many ways that you could approach this. You could Mm -hmm. you could bring your rank list and just go through all twenty twenty three twenty four. There there are twenty three of them. And if you include there the X Men films, the Spider Man films, the Fantastic Four films, I mean, the you know, no. it, it starts to add up. Well, uh, uh-uh. no, we're not going to throw any more garbage on the dumpster fire. We're we're going <laughs> to stick to MCU proper, starting with Iron Man and ending with. I, canonically, in my head, I end with Endgame. Yeah, I don't end with Spider Man Far From Home. 
it feels like the like epilogue rather than the yeah like it, it <laughs> far from home definitely feels more like the 19 years later as opposed to you know the end of you know the battle of hogwarts yes harry potter brought up in this episode and i didn't even do it he <laughs> 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 said the magic wand <laughs> gosh <laughs> literally magic uh, <laughs> it's it's like some sort of you find out that i was it, it, the reason i'm so obsessed with it is i was hypnotized at 11 that anytime yeah. anybody <laughs> said the word harry potter i have this visceral response where i <laughs> yeah i jump up and run around in circles well no like no, but, I, I i think that there's an alternate reality out there where you are harry potter and you just feel it you you just feel that longing for the magical world i can, I can feel that i can feel that connection like something, something's drawing. <laughs> yeah. in, There's in just head, something missing there and you'll never get there. Yeah, headcanon accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've accepted it. Um, so it's, I mean, yes. we, could, we could attack this as our, our rank list and go through what our favorites mm. are, what our least favorites are. Um, I don't think we're going to spend the time going through 23 movies a piece. We might hit on, right hit on our top. Mm-hmm. movies and then hit on the bottom movies and, and really just discuss we have to discuss endgame but we have to discuss yes. like dedicate a full it has to just dis- it has been a year since endgame holy really cow. Cow. it has been an, a year since endgame uh some would say or that it's it just felt like the snap of oh of finger uh eh, anybody Anybody? No. <laughs> I, I deserved that one. No, I, I did. I did. Um, in game on its own. It's to me, and here I will organically bring up Harry Potter, and we'll get to this whenever we discuss it. But I feel like the last Harry Potter book and movie, when you're discussing your favorites, for me, I have to just take those out of the discussion. Because right. the, it, it was very much an end game, wrapped it up in a way that kind of blew your mind even further. Like how it's on its own pedestal, and then everybody else is just competing for runner up, and that's what you use to discuss their favorites. So end game for me. Like we we talked about in our sequel episode that you know we I took the Avengers movies off the table when making my ranking because I thought it would just be unfair to other movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so we'll we'll talk about Endgame, uh, and then I'd like to kind of dive into some conspiracy like theories of like, hey, where are they going? Is there who's the big baddie that's coming after Thanos? Like, how do you how do you top that? Um, and then we can go into our. Um, I think Cody had mentioned want to talk about our favorite non Avenger movie um, at some point. Yes. So, um, I'd say if if anybody is jumping in on this conversation now, let's just go around the horn and introduce ourselves real quickly. Um, I think the the joke today is like it was pr- prior: two doctors, a lawyer, and a college professor walk into a bar. <laughs> um, so if you've been listening up to this point, my name's William. I'm a part time family medicine physician, part time stay at home dad, part time crafter. <laughs> Uh, and part-time podcaster, I guess you could say. Um, big Marvel fan. Uh, started, saw Iron Man 1 in theaters and haven't stopped since then. Um, it's been something that started uh, right after our uh, freshman year of college. 
I think we Dallas. Did we go see Iron Man together? I believe so. I think we did. Um, and that's just the, that was that was that was all she wrote after that. Destiny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Okay, uh, audio medium. <laughs> yeah. Dallas just leaned back. Radio. <laughs> I have to. I have to tell this. I know we talked talked about our Star Wars stories in the last episode. This this is kind of my Marvel story, if you will. Um, big fan of the superhero genre. I didn't really get into the comics a lot. I think that's just kind of based on our uh, upbringing. Uh, not to bash our upbringing, but like we didn't have a video game console. I literally had to get cancer to get a PlayStation. And then once that thing broke, there was nothing else coming in. <laughs> like if it, it actually didn't break until I took it to law school, by the way. Eh, but that's true. But like if it wasn't um, Don Williams country music or Little House on the Prairie on the television, then it, you, you might as well forget it. So I'm discovering this stuff as an adult um but the avengers um we went and saw the avengers when we were in medical school um which it was a very needed uh release from the stress of of med school um and i um um tyler and i had had just started to get close at that point um because we knew of each other and vaguely knew each other before we went to med school but then he moved across the hall and we studied together and the rest was history um and i also went to see it with a new friend that we made med school um scott um and it was this it was a cultural moment uh inside of my culture and Mm -hmm. i think the cultural zeitgeist Mm -hmm. um as a whole um and it got to the point where i (laughs) In order to, for me to think about a way to give my groomsmen unique uh, gifts for their <laughs> personalities, but also like have it be unified, all of their their gifts were um, my groomsmen gifts were Avengers themed. Like it just had that big of of an effect on me. And Dallas, the reason why they kicked off this whole story. Um, I got an arc reactor light to put under his shirt and he leaned back and that the, this is the part that makes me so happy. The arc reactor shone through a Batman insignia on his shirt. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the best. This is the absolute best. But yeah, uh, Marvel and I go way back. Um, so this has been a, uh, a long, some, sometimes tenuous relationship, but overall we're, we're in a good place. We're in a real good place. <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see what you mean by tenuous. Uh, it we'll just, we'll just call them hiccups. There were there were just a couple hiccups, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Airman three, but yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay, we'll get there. But um, uh, Tyler, why don't, why don't you go next? So I still remember the shawarma we had. After going to (laughs) the Avengers, Avengers did drop at quite an interesting, it dropped in our second year. I'm pretty sure around Farm Path and Micro, ouch. Uh, Anybody needed the Avengers? Oh my gosh. Uh, for, For those of us not in the know, Farm Path and Micro, what is that? pharmacology pathology and microbiology oh and they are some of the roughest courses in second year of medical education uh, additionally, like a Facebook game. 
Yeah, a Indie Folk Band. <laughs> it's not. It's not an indie folk band. It's uh, they were th- three classes. Eventually, <laughs> uh, it, it hit me in the midst of a broken engagement. That was kind of crazy. Oh yeah. Med school broken engagement. Avengers come to save my day. I'm Tyler. I'm a physician, a family physician, and now father of four. I remember going to see Iron Man in 2008 when it came out. And I don't know. It's just, it's funny how certain Marvel movies hit you uh, at certain times of your life. So I needed the Avengers, obviously, for obvious reasons. But man, I was a playboy. I was a Tony Stark in 2008. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you, you, Marvel movies as they dropped and who I went on dates with. I was Tony Stark then, and now I've kind of morphed and you're like responsible into this. now. I'm totally Hawkeye now, you know. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, my kids, my wife, settle down. So you're a murderous psychopath? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it depends on if the kids have had a nap or not. Uh, <laughs> Touche, touche. Just kidding. Oh, no, no. Um, Anyway, yeah. So, all right, Dallas. Yeah, um, I am a instructor of criminal justice. I have recently picked up the search and rescue emergency emergency management hat of. Uh, doing all that stuff with uh, you know end game happening in real time all of a sudden for everything going on. So, uh, yeah, uh, I got a call there the other day. I was like, "Oh, there's a pipeline explosion. Uh, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, I was planning for this apparently." So went and did that. I uh, like if we ever had a Thanos level extinction event, I am just never leaving our my house. Like we would not be able to, we would not be able to survive at the rate society is going. I've been in my bunker oh, for weeks. That, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah, that took a turn real fast. <laughs> Grabs collar, yanks twice. <laughs> my bad. My bad. My bunker's been running for all for weeks, months been ready you haven't Uh, been out of your bunker in four years let's be honest this is true (laughs) this is true the smell though it has left the bunker (laughs) Um, probably not that different than when um we roomed together in college if we're being honest no my armpits still smell like old chili dogs so (laughs) no different (laughs) was that too much no that looks like he's eating are you okay (laughs) you're good you're good so Marvel, I I started out as a DC fan, and Ooh. they and I still enjoy enjoy DC. But when the movies kicked off and Marvel out of the gate shot DC in the leg and fed a bunch of kryptonite on the way out the door, uh, <laughs> they have been fantastic. I can't deny that. And so I've kind of had the I didn't have the nostalgic tie to Marvel. So even on their lows, I really don't get been out of shape about it. Like like William said, they're hiccups along the way. Mm. I feel like they've yeah. handled them fantastically. And uh starting in college and all the way till now, 
so, solid, solid run of of content for sure. I mean, 2023 films, all billion dollar hits. I mean, you know, not bad, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pick them apart like I, I did. I, I, did you ever think we would get like to the day? I know, like Titanic when when it was released, like made news and headlines because it's like surpassed the billion dollar mark and i think in total it's like 2.4 maybe but did you ever think that we would be sitting and talking about movies that made 700 million dollars like oh well that wasn't as successful as right. <laughs> yeah what yeah yeah like if a movie if a movie doesn't make the billion dollar club now it's kind of a disappointment right yeah. Yeah, unless it has like an obscenely low budget, then then it's just like oh, it had a five hundred thousand dollar budget and made a hundred million dollars in the box office. Vaccine as a hit, but you know now if it doesn't make the billion dollar club, I mean, like Batman versus Superman made eight hundred million dollars. But yet everyone was like, uh, that was a disappointment. It's like universally panned. Yeah. 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 I could, I could tell Dallas, whenever you mentioned DC and that you were a DC fan, um, Cody, <laughs> the only way I could describe like what I saw on the camera, we're doing this over a zoom call. What I saw on the camera was just a slight shift in his position, but I yeah. know internally <laughs> he was trying, he was trying to like hold his right leg still from thumping like thumper. <laughs> In um, Bambi, <laughs> you, you were just you were just getting him going, but um, oh, Cody, you you've been like DC diehard for a long time. How mm-hmm. how have you uh, approached Marvel? And I, I know that you um, only you you jumped in a little bit later in the movie cycles for seeing all the movies. Um, well, I mean, not not really, like. I missed Iron Man and Iron Man 2 in the... I missed most of Phase 1 in the theaters. The only one I saw in the theaters was Captain America before the Mm. first Avengers movie. Um, I saw Iron Man and Iron Man 2 in... as a movie gallery rental. Hello. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember seeing, getting it as a movie, ga- as a movie gallery rental. I did not see the incredible Hulk until after the Avengers and I did not see Thor until after the Avengers. And so I wish I had seen Thor beforehand. Uh, that was, that was a mistake on my part, but that phase one, it didn't really grab me. Like yep. the, like early on, like that first Captain America movie, I remember we walked out of there and it was like three weeks after we saw Transformers Dark of the Moon. And at that moment, Transformers Dark of the Moon was like just a monumental high for us because it was better than Revenge of the Fallen (laughs) and Optimus Prime punched you in the face. Um, You could could, uh, slightly bend a coat hanger duct tape it to the top of a trash can and have dryer hose coming out where arms and legs would be from a robot, put it on a skateboard, roll it down your driveway, film it with your iPhone. And it would have that movie, that three seconds of this garbage can robot rolling by on your iPhone would be better than revenge of the fallen. Well, we (laughs) will, we'll get to our transformers episode on another day. Um, (laughs) Uh, Now that's, Um, that's one where I am going to come in. Uh, saucy 
yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, so um, like I remember walking out of Captain America: The First Avenger, going, "Yeah, that was good. That was good." Like I, I'm kind of with Dallas. None of the Avenger characters really like I had no nostalgic tie to them. Um, no nostalgic tie, no childhood connection to them. I was a Spider-Man kid. I was an X-Men kid. And I was a Batman and Superman kid. Like, we watched Batman the Animated Series. We watched Superman the Animated Series. I remember Smallville. I remember, like, those those were my superheroes. I remember yeah. in 2008, you know, I didn't see Iron Man in theaters, but I saw The Dark Knight. Like, I saw The Dark Knight in theaters. And those movies didn't really grab me in Phase 1. I appreciate them a lot more now. But after I saw the first Avenger in my sophomore year of college, it was a midnight showing. And I am still so mad that shortly after the Avengers, they don't do midnight premieres anymore. Like, apparently, like, overtime laws pretty much prohibit them from doing uh, midnight. midnight. They, still do, they still do Thursday night premieres, but they're at, like... Yeah. Like but nine or ten o'clock. There's nothing about there's there's something about getting a bunch of fans at midnight. We're all yeah. slap happy. We're all high on code red Mountain Dew. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was still even like I I think Cody, you saw Endgame with me and Tyler. Like we all went to see that mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and it was like premiere day. Like I, I bought the tickets two weeks in advance. And uh, I mean, sometimes I will still go back and, you, you know, the videos where somebody has like pulled their iPhone out and is filming between seats uh, mm. and it's like audience reaction during moments in oh, yeah. game. And every once in a while, those will, I guess, from my viewing habits, those will pop up <laughs> in my like YouTube suggested videos and I still watch them and I still get like chills at their certain moments. So like being there at the midnight, pre- like the midnight premiere with the rabid fan base. Oh, oh yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing like it. Like, and you I almost was there have from, to. I was ahead. there from like midnight. It was like midnight. We didn't get home back till like 3 a.m. And it was like all of my friends from college and my girlfriend at the time, we were just royally freaking out. Like I hyperventilate, I hyperventilated and almost ran off the road as I was coming back. Like, I was like <laughs> <laughs> and I remember pretty... the moment. I remember the moment. Like I have no, I have no, like child connect, childhood connections to these characters whatsoever. But I remember when. Iron Man's laser hit Captain America's shield, and then Thor's hammer hits uh, Captain America's shield. I felt like the spirit of some child, and I felt the spirit of some child in an alternate reality that loved these characters as a kid just freak out. And I'm like, okay, that's an important thing. There are <laughs> moments like that that play out in the movies where even if you haven't read the comics and you don't see that one comic panel ripped out and plastered on the screen, you you can still sense that that is, that is important and yes. that is culturally significant. Um, in Civil War, when um, Iron Man or Cap throws up his shield and the Iron Man's like blasting at him, like I'm like, that's a comic. That that is a yeah. <laughs> pixel mm-hmm. for pixel recreation of a comic panel. I guarantee you. It's so no, I, um, 
I missed Iron Man 3 in theaters, so I missed that part of Phase 2. But starting with Thor The Dark World, I have seen all of them in theaters. Okay, let's from be that, honest. From that point forward. really miss Iron Man 3, I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> I, I mean, I think in my ranking list, I put Iron Man 3 below being gutted with a rusty knife. <laughs> like... <laughs> did wonder about that that's why i was confused because when you sent your rank list there were 24 entries on your rank list oh, yeah. and 23 <laughs> was being gutted with a rusty knife yeah. it's canon. okay there, there's <laughs> the confusion uh this is good okay this is gonna be terrible uh, um let's let's just go straight into it. let's go into our ranks um around the horn what's your favorite outside of endgame because that's that we're having an entire discussion about endgame I already know what your favorite is, Cody. So, <laughs> I mean, we had a whole episode about it. Yeah, in the the sequel episode, but um, but you mean you can hit on it again? Um, well, my favorite, Captain America: Winter Soldier. I would even put it above Endgame. Like, I would even put it above Ooh. Endgame. Yeah. So I completely agree. My rank list, number one, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, number two, Endgame. Yeah, same. Same. I feel like I need to change mine now because it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, my, so, my top five is Winter Soldier, Endgame, Avengers 1, Black Panther, Infinity War. First thing, Winter Soldier. It is so hard to make a sequel in my opinion, more likable than the original, the first of a, of a series. I will, I will give you that. I, I, I think it was, it was better than the first. However, I feel like the first Captain America movie, um, it's aging like a fine wine to me. It really like, has. I, I, was, I, I was like with you, Cody. We saw it together, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, we left that movie and it was like, oh, mm, oh that was good. That was good. Um, and I think the reason why it is aging is because of Cap's arc over the entire uh, the mm-hmm. MCU. Like things that were set up in that movie that were paid off. Some of them paid off in Endgame. Like it took yeah. that long yeah. for some of the um, yeah. the storylines um, to be paid off. But oh yeah, Winter Soldier. It's it is it's very high up on my list. Oh, it's no. not my number one. Um, you guys have but to he, that I'm the purist. And I will say that Captain America Winter Soldier is also, in my opinion, probably the closest to the comics. And in my lifetime, the strongest Captain America comic writer is Ed Brubaker, and he contributed to that film. And it's his personal favorite too, right? Or I saw an article that, that he said he thought it was, was the strongest sequel he was commenting on, you know, it being a very, very, very strong sequel. I like the characters. Um, I think the Winter Soldier is just a great character, a dynamic character. Mm-hmm. Did any and of that's, you, that's did did any of you like know it was Buck? Not know that it was Bucky before you walked into it. Me. And so that's that has been one of the things that. I have loved about the MCU as I, I, I don't think I've ever read a comic fully. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, I've perused some of the, um, you, you, Cody, you had purchased some like anthologies of, of, of like comics together that I've kind of browsed through, but as far as like spending money, and this is not to belittle it at all, but as far mm-hmm. as like going and buying a comic and following it through any course of time, I've never done that. I, I just, I'm, they just don't appeal to me. So I went into all of these movies Okay, I went into the earlier movies not knowing what the comics referenced at all. That being mm-hmm. said, I've discovered some YouTube channels that I really, really like that break <laughs> down every possible source material and every possible theory they could be pulling from. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm osmosing the comic lore for these, but that's what I've loved about the MCUs. I, I know nothing, and it has, it's surprised me every time. Dallas, but you said that... Um, that surprised you as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I kind of throughout all of these have intentionally not gone for source material. So that way I'm surprised. You know, it's like, Oh, that's a thing because I'm not familiar with this world and it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. They don't assume, you know, so they, so you can still watch them, like you said, and be surprised and it flows and you're not missing anything. And that's been kind of nice. The, uh, so I have read two Marvel proper comics and that's it. X-Men 92. Like they had a, they, they brought back the 1992 X-Men TV show as a comic recently. Oh, those were the only two Marvel comics that I read. However, I have a friend that like is like the fount of all Marvel knowledge (laughs) (laughs) and so when we talk about the upcoming Marvel film, he told me that Bucky was the Winter Soldier. And so uh. <laughs> I never, I didn't think it was a spoiler at the time because it was like 2012, 2013 when like the Winter oh, Soldier yeah. was announced and we were just like, so who could this be? We just speculated. Right. Um, yeah. We just speculated. He's like, well, in the comics, the Winter Soldier is Bucky. So I was like, well, that, for, for, that for all sense. I knew, like Cap took a mission in Alaska. And oh, yeah. he, he was the Winter Soldier. Like, <laughs> I knew nothing going in. Next is the Summer Soldier. He goes somewhere warm. <laughs> oh. And then, like, Janko puts out a Captain America branded cargo short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I sure that those. exists. Uh, <laughs> exists somewhere. That, oh. that would be like uh, like people could cosplay Captain America, like the nerds could cosplay this Captain America, just like all like d- like dad bod dads are like happy about Fat Thor and they're like, yes, <laughs> Thor for us. <laughs> it's so, okay, so all three of I was just happy Winter about Soldier. Fat Thor because my wife wasn't making eyes at Sexy Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, we I mean, need to have a, a therapy episode, too, everybody. I mean, like, my first kiss... who can cry first. Me my first kiss with my current girlfriend was after the Cap Peggy dance in Endgame. Like... Oh, set cool. the tone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I believed in omens, that would be a good omen floating over top of your relationship. There. Like we like we talked about this in our our sequel episode, but the sheer amount 
of like force of will I had in Doctor Strange, like sending him back time travel something. I to- I fully believe like that you spoke that into existence. <laughs> like I, I do. I believe that you willed it into existence. I like I had a friend of mine tell me he was like uh, he was with his wife watching Endgame. And he goes, isn't that just the sweetest thing? Aren't you so surprised? That's so awesome. And I'm like, I would be surprised. But Cody Murphy has been talking about it for six years. <laughs> <laughs> Every few weeks, like clockwork, Cody would send me a message. He's like, I'm calling it right now. <laughs> like, he's getting his dance. <laughs> and a couple weeks later, pop back up. Oh, Dallas, I wish to goodness you could have been there. <laughs> like it, it was it was tyler me and then cody and when when he, cap was like climbing up onto the platform to take everything back cody gasped and like <laughs> spasmed and he's like he's gonna get the dance he's gonna get the dance <laughs> and when the camera cut to that that house and you hear the music playing like like these just visceral shake all over sobs <laughs> were coming next to me. And I, I was watching him almost as much as I was watching the screen because I realized what was happening and I went, <gasps> and I learned because he's been willing it into existence for six solid years. I, Cause I remember and, watching winter soldier and I saw the Peggy moment and I'm just like, Day at Marvel, you do not end it like this. Like, <laughs> you do not end it like this. And so my headcanon is that Peggy faked dementia. <laughs> faked dementia because, you know, old Cap told him that when young Cap comes back again, you, I think you have dementia. So in my headcanon, Peggy faked it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> And like the entire time, you know, somewhere out there, old Steve, old, old Steve is out there, you know, just loving Peggy. And it just, it's. Okay, just well, I, I have a question for you. There's been several instances that have popped up in the MCU where something from the very beginning gets its payoff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was intentional and Kevin Feige's like criminal mastermind web of yarn on the wall linking everything together was that detailed or do you think he they got lucky in some instances the the russo said that when peggy mentioned her husband it was always steve in winter soldier Hmm. i guess yeah i guess they directed it yeah the russos said that it was always steve it was always going to be steve um, okay, we, we jumped straight into Endgame. Um, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, and and I'll just I can mention it, and we can move on into Endgame talk because this there's there's just so much. Um, my favorite is actually Black Panther. It's my second favorite non-Avenger movie. So you know, good choices, good life choices. It's um, <laughs> I, I and I think because of well there's there's several reasons there number one like it's it's just well i mean obviously my tastes are far superior from all of yours because it's the only marvel movie (laughs) to ever been nominated for best picture just gonna 
just gonna leave that out there. I'm just gonna drop that mic and get that well, lovely feedback. Just, just because the academy is filled with pretentious snobs doesn't make it better. Uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Fire. Um, but but no, I I that was more of a compelling political thriller to me than Winter Soldier. Um, because Winter Soldier was again, oh, let's fight the Nazis. Okay, everyone can rally behind the good guys fighting the Nazis. Like, there's there's no convincing in that. Um, yes, it but, was fighting the Nazis, but it was also like paralleling very real problems in American policy, whether it be the surveillance state, you know, the military industrial complex. Yes, it was fighting the Nazis just so that just so that Marvel could use U.S. military toys. But it was very much an allegory to, you know, current military policy because essentially it was Captain America versus the U.S. government. Well, that, that's true. But mm-hmm. I would even argue that Black Panther's introduction in, into the MCU timeline also corresponded with, um, like, the... Well, I, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but, like either the height or the growing momentum of the Black Lives Matters yeah. Um, yeah. movement, um, which I mean, the surveillance state of the U.S. government, like there's there's even stuff going around now about the COVID pandemic of how it's all some, like you could, you could dive too far into conspiracies, but um, like I, I mean, obviously I, I'm, I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm a white dude. I can't, I can't, I can't. Oh, I know. It's shocking. <laughs> shocking. I know. I know. I know. I, I go out in the sun and, and my skin just, just screams and burns and, and then I, I peel and I'm anyway. Um, I, so I, I mean, I can't connect. I can't connect to the struggle, but I, I could appreciate the, the impact and the cultural significance. And oh, yeah. it was frankly just a good movie. Like you could mm-hmm. legitimately tell that every single actor on that movie like bolted out of bed in the morning to get in um, <laughs> to work on that movie. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> wake up five minutes before their alarm goes off and sit there and clutch the covers and just like, here we go. Like, like this. Some of the stories <laughs> off the, <laughs> yeah, Wakanda forever. But some of the stories like um, from the set, like it was, it was a force of nature. Um, it is. It only barely tops Captain Marvel for me. And and I and Cody and I have had conversations about Captain Marvel and how how majorly underwhelmed he was. <laughs> um, but I think as hitting a cultural moment, that one also came out height of Me Too. Uh, it came out on International Women's Day. I mean, there was a scene in there where, under normal circumstances, she could have been assaulted. Uh, she could have been taking harassed, and she she lays waste to the dude and steals his motorcycle. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, Black Panther is my favorite non-Avenger movie. Is Black Panther. Um, Endgame, and I know that Endgame is kind of down on the list for you guys. Endgame is on that pedestal. Can't even talk about it. 
Mine's number two, so, you know. And then it's um, the first Avengers movie. But I know we were talking non-Avengers movie, but yeah. um, let's go into Endgame. We've, we've got to... I, I mean, right out of the gate, you were talking about, like, how you could sympathize. I, I, with Hawkeye, like, I had... See, when yeah. did that come? Genevieve was... What... Maybe a year old, fifteen months old, or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm I was a new father watching that scene, but when Hawkeye loses his wife and his entire and all of his kids in one instance, like it, we were joking about being a like homicidal maniac, but I don't know that I would. <laughs> I wouldn't right. like. Why, what else you gonna do? You know? Yeah, I. I Mm, like everyone joked for a year that that's how it's gonna that's how that movie was gonna start was that you would see hawkeye on the farm losing his family and it happened and it broke me and (laughs) yeah i have i have almost three weeks of class in my ethics class for the fall where we just talk about endgame Really? In former fashion, yeah. Awesome. It's like that just, you know, and I, I joke and, you know, I, I joked with Tyler about this earlier, but it's just, yeah. You probably would go down the same road too if that happened. If that happened. I, I did find it funny in the, like, I did find it funny in the, whenever they came back, like the first thing that happens is that Hawkeye sees his wife's cell phone number, basically kept the same cell plan going on for five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is your bill like, man? <laughs> <laughs> Can't, um, but I mean, just stepping back to look at that movie, I don't know how they did it. That entire movie as a whole, because there were so many threads they had to tie up so many loose ends that they had to tie up in i honestly don't see how they could have done it any better the genius of infinity war was was that they made thanos the main character there were 65 avengers (laughs) in infinity (laughs) war oh wow they were like 65 main characters in, in Infinity War, people quote-unquote main characters. Um, and so they, they, they centralized the focus on the main six, uh, on, the, on, on Thanos. And so you got to really know and understand who Thanos was, and you got to see kind of like him as being the hero in his own mind. Right. The genius of... And then after the dusting it got brought back down to the core six. And so we got yeah. for that, for that two thirds of that movie, you got the core six Avengers, the, the Avengers that you started with. And you were able to take time with those characters because for many of those characters, that was going to be their swan song. This was going to be their last hurrah, and so they needed to take... It was Iron Man, Captain America's, Black Widow's. That was their movie. Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Thor. Well, I mean, like, oh, less so Hawkeye and Thor, mainly because, you know, that's not their, that's not their swan song. But, well, I mean, it's true, but you... The first Avengers movie and that Avengers movie 
were basically mm-hmm. the same cast. I mean, save yes. I mean, with you had the a, addition Okoye, you had um, Carol Danvers, um, but they they had just uh, they were all they were almost just cameos until you got to the final battle. Yeah. But that that. And in the way that they tied all of the loose ends together, it, it was also like the you know the episode of a sitcom where they're like, oh, the actors need a little bit of a break, and so they all sit around a coffee coffee table and reminisce, and then they replay like moments from the season that were their favorite, like that. It also kind of felt like that, but in a totally like mind trippy way because they visited all of these other, but and I was. When Natalie Portman appeared on screen, I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, I, just she, and apparently they just reused, they they used extra footage from um, Thor: The Dark World um, for oh. that part. Yeah, but she yeah, ends up coming. Uh, she ends up coming back on Comic Con, and she's going to be in Thor Four. Like, and, and the best part of Endgame was is that it made Thor: The Dark World matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that one. <laughs> yeah, it was um Thor two and Iron Man three are at the bottom of my mine too list. Yeah. And it's uh, the the scene with with Frigga when he sees his mother again. I oh. it, Thor oh. is the picture. Even just speaking from a medical a medical point of view, Thor is the picture of post traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he tries to cope with it and deal with it with humor, um, but you can see the just the anguish in his eyes and the, the that moment that he gets um, with his mother when she tells him to eat a salad and and then he summons Mjolnir. I you can start to see a bit of his redemption, and I'm really glad. Not because I'm like, yeah, Fat Thor. I'm I'm really glad that he didn't just like summon the All Father's lightning and like lightning himself back some abs. All he, all the lightning right. did was braid his beard. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can I can I can get behind that. And he still <laughs> kind of um like laid a whooping on him. Like he he was still very capable and worthy, I mean, quote unquote. He's still the god of thunder. Abs or no abs, like uh, nah, yeah, it's there, true. There is some supernatural elements to him that you know, physical well-being notwithstanding, if you will. Yeah, but I'm also <laughs> glad they didn't have like a, a Rocky style like workout montage. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's ripped again. I mean, um, I, I said that if the uh, Disney Fox deal. Um, happened before because the Disney Fox deal uh, was announced before Infinity War that mm. um, we would see in the we would see in the end credits of Infinity War Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds come through a Doctor Strange portal to help them out and mm. in Endgame there would be a Rocky montage with Deadpool and Thor <laughs> of course because <laughs> having Deadpool in it you could you can absolutely you can do, do things <laughs> yeah, yeah um but the even the payoffs just in that final battle mm-hmm. i mean I, I, yeah no i, I was fit- talking about how well written it was mm-hmm. i mean yeah. the, the, the graphics were great 
but it's just so well written. I mean, I don't know. I, I love, I think one of my favorite, my dad favorite quote from that movie is I love you 3000. I mean, it has to be. Oh. But, um, back, I, I just wanted to go back just a second to, to when you were talking about <clears throat> Thor and, and his mom. I love that everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. A measure of a person, of a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. Like, you don't, I don't think we've seen writing like that in any of the other no. Marvel films. Um, just, it, and it, it's kind of wild because, you know, this is a, you know, Frigga is a queen, you know, Odin's yeah. a king, you know, there's that sense of monarchical duty. Right in the Thor in the Thor films, that they have to make their sons into who they're supposed to be and not who they are, which you know, <sighs> you know, Renee Zellweger, you know, just was. I I think the reason why or Renee Russo, Renee Russo. Okay, never mind. Renee never mind. Zellweger is Bridget Jones. <laughs> ah, yes, 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 but. <laughs> You know, I think like Anthony Hopkins after Thor Ragnarok said he was done. And so that's why they brought in Thor's mom and Endgame. Like they well, like, even then I feel like it had more because she was murdered. Yes. There uh, like Odin just kind of wasn't. He he was the only death in Marvel that stuck. Yeah, he was just kind of there and then he just kind of wasn't yeah it, it was like um and thor kind of had come he was you could tell he was like at terms with the fact that his father was mm -hmm. was going but his mother was just ripped from him yeah um mm -hmm. so for him to be able to get some of that closure and i like how they explained her being able to see him out of the timeline by like son i was i was raised by witches <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that little loophole there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> the best payoff to me, and I'm surprised that I didn't got brought up yet, has has to be Cap wielding the hammer. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah. I it was. Uh, we were we were uh, getting to that <sighs> like final. Oh, uh, oh. like Cap. You know, eh, there was an interview with Joss Whedon after Avengers Age of Ultron that said, why wasn't Cap able to pick up the hammer? Was he not worthy? And he goes, was he not worthy? Was he like somewhat worthy? And he's like, no, you're worthy or you're not. Did Cap not pick up the hammer? Or did he just not want to hurt Thor's pride? It basically gave off the hint that he could pick up the hammer the whole time. He could pick up the hammer the whole time. And the way he wielded that thing makes me think that somewhere in off screen, he was out there practicing with it. Um, <laughs> that he was, he was out, out there practicing with it because he wielded that thing like a champ. Yeah. Oh. That no, I also um, I, I also feel like um, I, well, I'd, I'd heard a theory that was circulating around that um, 
it was because he was still harboring the secret of um, um, Bucky having killed the Starks. Mm-hmm. That that was the reason why he wasn't fully able to to budget. But I mean, if Joss Whedon had said that you were either worthy or you're not, um, no, I, I I feel like he was, yeah, he was always uh, worthy. Right. But you see, you see Thor's like spirit just sink. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it budgets, he goes, oh well, huh? oh, okay, I guess I guess I, I guess I can't do it. <laughs> guess I can't do it. Yeah. I mean that. You know the way Cap, like I said, the way Cap wielded the the hammer that that shows signs of a man that had been practicing that with that hammer, like <laughs> somewhere and out there. I, I, there's a montage of him like getting good <laughs> with that hammer. <laughs> I would hate to see the bloopers when it doesn't quite go right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he built a house with it, and most of the walls had holes in it. You see, I want. <laughs> You see, I wanted Thor 4 to be, uh, Thor 4 to also be Agent Carter season 3, and it's just Cap and Peggy going around 1950s America saving the world with Thor's hammer. <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, I would really love for them to bring back Agent Carter. Like, have an Agent oh. Carter revival on Disney+. Plus. Kristen and I loved that show. And I think we loved it because uh, we saw ourselves reflected in the cast. Um her very much Peggy Carter and me, Edwin Jarvis, clearly. Uh, well, was, was, was well, we like it. Marvel, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting this out there in the universe. Agent Carter season three, last season, final episode, Chris Evans comes back and you see his return to the 40s from Peggy Carter's exception uh, perspective. From Peggy Carter's point of view. Wasn't it in the oh, 50s? Yeah. Like, didn't he return to... Oh well, I don't know. I don't care. I, I guess just he want... could. So they I, went I, back I to want... the seventies for that sh- the shield base. Yes, and then you know he went back and just you know it, I guess he went, I guess he went just... on back to the fifties. But I mean, she at her um, in her office, she still had a picture of Steve. I mean, which would have made sense. She'd still have a picture of Steve anyway if he came back to the fifties and was still working there. Okay, no, I. Um, even even just that final the whole movie but that final battle of the payoffs in that movie i just tossing this out there what did you all think about the like woman team up scene i i felt like it was too forced is that okay to say i feel like they could have given them their day without it feeling too on the head girl power yeah no i i i i love that it happened number one. Oh, i do too i just feel like it wasn't i felt shoehorned and not that i, all I feel of like the it ladies were it, in one segment one area of the battle and and that's that's where it kind of fell a little flat to me it was like th- they all just happened to be standing there yeah i was like tactically that off. doesn't make sense you don't jump through a battle and <laughs> And almost get killed a million times just so you can hang out with your. your I, well, I, I almost wish that it would have been like, um, well, I mean, Captain Marvel is kind of this Deus Ex Machina who can't be stopped. But mm-hmm. like one, like let's say that Okoye like had the gauntlet, and um, she was running through there, and then it's like the the women characters like 
like fought their way through to get there and then formed a perimeter around them. And then they had their moment. Mm -hmm. I I feel like that would have worked a little bit better, but I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm, I'm glad that they are taking, um, risks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A lot of the risks in Marvel have paid off. Mm -hmm. Um, like one thing that I was worried about going into Endgame was that after I saw Captain Marvel and she was, you know, essentially the Superman character. Yeah. The overpowered, you know, could beat everything. And Superman works in the Justice League because the very clear plan is, Superman, you take care of Doomsday while the rest of the Justice League, you know, handles the the army of faceless hordes. You know, right. that yeah. that's how Justice League that's how Justice League works. And that would be fine for Carol Danvers if like they had set her up you know, er, in earlier films and had earned her place as part of the team. So I was really worried that, you know, she was going to be the deus ex machina. Everyone's back against the wall and then she just fire punches Thanos into next week, you know, and saves, and saves the day. Like, she hadn't, from a storytelling perspective, in my opinion, hadn't earned that right to be the one that, to save yeah. the day. And that's why, and I think, you know, the Russos understood that, and that's why they kind of had her off-planet for most of the movie. Yeah, right. They had her her off-planet for most of the movie because they wanted to focus on that core six, and if Captain Marvel's there, Captain Marvel can snap her, uh, well, snap her fingers or, you know, just throw (laughs) throw some fire punches, you know, break walls, save the day. And so the way they ended it with Tony Stark going, and I am Iron Man. You know, that was the perfect uh, way to end Endgame. <laughs> that was the perfect way. Like, Endgame is my favorite RDJ performance as Iron Man. Just bar yeah. none straight up. Yep. Oh, yeah. I... Oh, goodness, I'd agree. That's mm-hmm. what... His kind of serious character in this is what I wanted out of Iron Man 3. And I feel like they didn't take a big enough risk in Iron Man 3, and that's why it fell flat. Because he was kind of the PTSD character in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, they just had the giant fight. He fell out of the weird hole in the sky and was having a hard time dealing with it. But then they just kind of shrugged it off at the end, and yeah. it wasn't as big of a deal. It, like, it almost felt a little, like, Michael Bay-esque yep. toward the end. Yeah. Let's see how many robots we can have in one frame and how many things we can blow up. Yeah. Like when one of his suits got got hit by a semi truck, I was just like, these things withstand Thor's lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Like these things withstand Thor's lightning and yet they they get beat up by a semi truck. There's something wrong here. (laughs) What was it? Uh, I, I remember seeing that movie and thinking that it was just a recycled plot from a Disney movie. It was the Incredibles. It was yeah, Incredibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really bad version of the Incredibles. So they pushed two off because they were like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> got it, got it. I mean, think and, about it. You know, person that Tony Stark made mad, you know, Mr. Incredible and Syndrome, you know, goes off and, you know, concocts his, concocts his evil scheme. Um, his black superhero friend can't find a super suit. 
Like, it's just... <laughs> it's the Incredibles. It's the... <laughs> oh, and then that, that whole analogy after Disney acquired Marvel with Thor 2, Thor 2 is basically Hercules. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. In 5,000 years... The... Precisely. The realm shall align ever so nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Release the ether, that your monstrous man. <laughs> Thor's. Thor 2 is the only one that I have not watched. Well, Captain Marvel I haven't watched twice, but it's because I just watched it last week. But uh, Thor 2 is the only one that I haven't went back and watched again. They didn't really have the gumption to go back to it. Yeah, I haven't either. I've saw it twice in theaters. <laughs> you saw Just... Thor 2 twice in th- Okay. Yeah. Now you've all, you've always been a fan of the like Shakespearean theatrics of the Thor movies. Yes. Yes. Like I was a fan of the place of Asgard. So needless to say the whole theme of Thor 3 really ticked me off. <laughs> Thor 2 just felt like it was filmed really dark like I felt like I had just a yeah. hard time like I just squinted like, and I was like what is that thing <laughs> oh they're in a warehouse I think I don't know no don't get me wrong Thor 1 is the superior of the two non Takawatiti Thor films right like it's a beautifully beautifully shot cinematography I mean Thor 2 is definitely your run of the mill like you know run of the mill you know enslave destroy oppress you know world domination villain from marvel right. you know very forgettable you know and i will admit him and natalie portman don't have the best chemistry um as the out of the marvel couples i don't think him and natalie portman have the best chemistry but you know there was just like a moment there where like Thor was like getting close to Malekith and it was just this like epic scene with him wielding the, and like the, the hammer was like flying through like all nine of the realms. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, I was just like, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. And I will never forget in Thor 2. I am a big film score junkie. And True. so I've, I've developed this habit of listening to film scores before movies come out. And ruining the movies. And, <laughs> <laughs> and before fil- film scores come out. And I had to turn the in-game soundtrack off after I heard some Captain America 1 scores because I was just like... <gasps> like I was just like, the dance is coming, the dance is coming. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was a... There was a moment in Thor 2. It was the moment where Loki turns into Steve Rogers. You know, it's like, let's find some of your more, you know, oh, the suit, it's so tight. I could just feel the truth, the self-righteousness. <laughs> <laughs> it was Chris Evans playing Loki as Captain America. Yeah. 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 And at that moment, you hear the bum, 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 bum. And I was I listened to the score and I hear this and I texted my friend and I'm like, is Captain America in this movie? Kind <laughs> and of. he was just like, not in the way that you think. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he was correct. <laughs> I thought was Thor 2 was fine. I just it was one of the hiccups 
I feel like that William talked about. But I also and I, thought, and I like calling it a hiccup. It's like yeah. if if the chair that you're sitting in um only has one little like unsettling like shift, and you're yeah. like, whoa, is this thing gonna fall? And then you sit in again for twenty more times, and it's solid. Eventually, you're like, okay, this is a good chair. This is a good chair. Exactly. Just, yeah. Well, like after was like just, I saw. After I saw Iron Man 3 and just what a dumpster fire that was, I thought I, Thor 2 was just the best film ever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but see, like, I felt like Thor 3 was a little bit too much like Guardians, which I know that yes. they were like getting them close together so they can be besties. But I felt like like the tones, it was like his very like throwback to the eighties with the music and the art style and when they filmed uh, at Jeff Goldblum's house, you know, just Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that movie. Oh yeah, I thought it was great. So much. Another... Rock, my number three. It's my number three. <laughs> it's under Captain oh. Marvel as my number three. It is not on my top five. <laughs> I like. I walked out of like uh, hot take here. I'm gonna make get a lot of haters. Guardians <laughs> is my least favorite franchise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, and, we're gonna we're gonna mute. And so when I, <laughs> when I walked out of when I walked out of Thor Ragnarok, I was just like. Well, after Thor Ragnarok and then after Infinity War, I'm just like, you know what? Chris Pratt is staying dead and Chris Hemsworth is going to take over the Guardians because Thor 3 was basically a Guardians movie. Yeah. And you know what? If you you did not like Thor 3, apparently you're really not going to like Thor 4. Probably not. Because it apparently just cranks the ridiculousness like to 11. (laughs) <laughs> no, okay. But they're just I, going I, on a ride at this point, right? Like they're all just I, hanging out. I, I mean, what was the oddest trailer of the MCU? It was like Phase Three. Ha! Ah, we can do no wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. True. But I mean, that's that goes back to Marvel taking risks. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's why I like right. Marvel. Like now, Thor's, more than Star Wars. <laughs> like Thor's in take risks. Whereas I feel like Marvel catch those in and like Cody we no 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 we can't we cannot bury the lead here Dallas say that again for the for the record because this is going to live indefinitely on the internet okay I want to clarify what I said I feel like they handled Marvel better than they handled Star Wars oh yeah is that (laughs) is that better I feel like they took a long stretch of a franchise and gave it the supports it needed to stand. Whereas I feel like Star Wars, maybe Star Wars just, it lasted too long. And they kept but, trying to milk that cow of its blue milk long before, after it died. And the difference it between Star Wars and the cow. <laughs> Looked that thing right in the eye while he milked it too. That, that was last. The difference time. between. Right. <laughs> that was last episode. Uh. The difference between Star Wars and Marvel is that Kevin Feige is a one of a kind and is a one of a kind individual. That's true. Like I just think well, it's Kevin true, but I don't. Some of the things that Kevin Feige does, I don't think are 
Now, granted, I'm... <laughs> We're armchair sitting. bloggers here. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, to give directors creative room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, like, have an established storyline of where you're going and let them play as long as you can move the pieces outside of that line, as long as toward the end, just, you know, you don't have to bring them back perfectly in line, but bring them back close so that whoever comes after you can pick the pieces up and move again. Like that's all stuff that just makes sense to me. I I I feel like with, with star Wars and Cody, you and I have talked about this. They did not have a direction that they were taking the, the trilogy. Yeah. And, and Kathy Kennedy, like this, this especially happened with uh, Solo. Um, th- this happened with Solo and it happened with uh, Rogue One as well. Um, Kathy Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, handpicked mm-hmm. by George Lucas. So, yeah. you know, t- take that for what it's worth. Um, what happens with her is that she started out her tenure with these movies saying, I want, we want to give creative freedom. We want filmmakers to be filmmakers. We want them to do, you know, to take star Wars into new and interesting ways. And then what I think happened is that she got cold feet and then brought in someone new, whether it be, uh, who are the directors of solo before Ron Howard? It was those brothers um, that did count cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Fantastic uh, Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, and so, you know, she gets cold feet and then they make something that's safe. Yeah. Or, you know, you talk about like, you know, the sequel trilogy, seven, they played it safe because they didn't want to repeat the prequels. Eight, they went way too far in the other direction because, you know, everyone thought seven was safe. And then nine, they tried to, you know, play it safe again because everyone hated, everyone hated eight. And it just, it, like you said, there was really no direction and there was really no arc, and no, you know, creative vision. Say what you will about George Lucas, but he had a vision for one, well, I mean, two, even, and three. And four, five, and six. Like, mm-hmm. it was always, I feel like the episodes four, five, and six were always going to end with, um, Luke getting that bears. redemption moment with his with his father, they blow up the Death Star. Everybody's happy, mm-hmm. and like everything was leading up to that moment. Like it was Darth Vader's the big bad. Then you find out it's his father. Oh no, there's this conflict. Like, do I go against my father? And then they have that redemption moment. Like it just felt like even just getting the napkin from the restaurant where they were meeting with J.J. Abrams, or where they were meeting with Ryan Johnson, and drawing a simple timeline, saying, mm-hmm. this is where we're starting, this is the big climax at the end of the third movie, here are some subplots that we would like to incorporate, take that and run with it, but make sure you bring all the pieces back together. And that's what I think Kevin Feige did with all of the Marvel movies. Yes. Is he gave them room to play, but... Like maybe it was within it with an in credit scene or inside that with different cameos. Like we're keeping this thorough, this like Thanos is coming line through all of these movies. And I think they perfected the formula after age of Ultron, because from what I understand with age of Ultron, like it like broke Joss Whedon as a human being. Yeah. Like (laughs) he was working like 18 hours a day like they were getting constant rewrites in the script, like more things were being thrown in there. 
and then like Joss Whedon like like went off the grid for like a year and then come back comes back with a Shakespeare movie like <laughs> um, <laughs> and it just and I think they perfected that formula after in especially after Age of Ultron you know after after Age of Ultron the Kevin Feige got complete control of Marvel Studios. Yeah. There was a lot of internal politics and internal studio politics prior to Age of Ultron that by fi- phase three, Kevin Feige could just do what he wanted. Um, right. Which is why they premiere a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then into the first season, they have a they have a show where they have a movie where S.H.I.E.L.D. falls. Right. <laughs> Be- yeah. <laughs> well, now that okay, now that he's at the helm, fully, mm-hmm. and now that the Fantastic Four has been pulled back into the family, has been folded and the X back into the souffle, if you will. X Men has been like folded back in. Um, the Marvel where, Universe is whole. Where do you see it going? And I know that's a big open-ended. You could be like you could answer it as how do you see them like folding in these new franchises? Um, do you think that they're going to lean into this like trippy cosmic thing that uh, guardians um, it, like explored and Thor Ragnarok kind of reinforced, especially with the celestials coming? Um, is there, is there anything about the, the things that have been announced and that are coming soon that has kind of piqued your interest? Um, it's a, kind of new frontier i i went into the initial you know infinity saga if you will not really having much of an expectation but you know i always knew it was going to end with the battle against thanos i have no idea where it's going after yeah. this and i know tyler has um, has read the comics do you have any uh thought of like who's the big bad is going to be after thanos or i don't have the slightest clue um but what are you excited about like well, as far as phase four goes i'm i'm obviously super excited about falcon and winter soldier um additionally something that i want that i've not heard them talk about i would love to have a mark ruffalo hulk movie yeah that won't happen is isn't the hulk still tied up in like the Hulk licensing issues or the Hulk. Um, so if you recall in phase one, if you go back and watch those phase one movies, you'll see a Paramount logo and a universal logo mm-hmm. on the incredible Hulk. And then Paramount logo on Iron Man, Captain America and Thor. Like mm. Paramount had the rights to those characters and Universal has held the rights to the Hulk all going all the way back to the 1980s with that uh, Lou Ferrigno series. Gotcha. Um, they've had it for a long time. And so they struck a deal to where, you know, Paramount, like Marvel Studios prior to the Disney sale was an independent studio. Like they were just their own studio. And then Paramount did the distribution to Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. And Universal did the distribution for The Incredible Hulk. Well, after the Disney sale, after the Disney sale, like, um, 
Marvel, like Disney, like wrote Paramount, like a gajillion dollar check and just said, Hey, can we just have them back now for distribution rights? And, you know, but the Universal's kind of been the lone holdout because Universal is owned by Comcast and Comcast is not exactly known by, known to be, you know, humane or, you know, <laughs> a well-run corporate machine. I mean, they're launching a streaming service called Peacock. Which is idiotic, side note. Um, <laughs> and so the Hulk is very much tied up with that. They can have the Hulk in non-Hulk movies, which is why you see him in Thor Ragnarok, which is why you see him in Avengers movies. Yeah. But they can't... Well, apparently he's going to... There's talk that he's going to appear in the She-Hulk series. I mean, that would make sense. Um, because it's it's like his it's his cousin I think becomes a She Hulk, and mm-hmm. she like gets a blood transfusion from him, and it gives her uh, the same like transformation abilities. Side note: I saw a fan casting for Aubrey Plaza as She Hulk, and I'm I'm all day every day I'm behind that one hundred percent because she's just like nutty enough that i mean think of april ledgate like oh yeah i feel like she could hulk out yeah um at some point <laughs> just smash things <laughs> you know no like, no she, of course she wouldn't. does the off color and 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 weird and i feel like yeah. if if they did a modern dr jekyll and mr hyde like she would easily play <laughs> that character but um no i i mark ruffalo's hulk I think best on screen incarnation of the Hulk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just like a straight out like Tom Holland. Tom Holland's the best on screen incarnation of Spider-Man. Yep. Just hands down. Anything else that you're excited for or would like to see Tyler? Um, from the comic world, you ask, you know, comics. Yeah. How that looks going forward. I was a huge fan of the Vision series that came out, so I'm I'm pumped about uh, WandaVision. That that's yeah, bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just and did you read the House of M series in the comics? Yes. Okay. Do you do you feel like can you can you just sense? that she's going to do like a reverse house of M and like yeah. use her reality altering powers to like bring mutants into existence rather than to get rid of them. I, I could totally see that. Hmm. But even, even then, like this is, this is another prime example of Marvel giving their directors like creative freedom to, to just try different things. The promo for WandaVision, the fact that it cycles through like all of the major areas in sitcom or like era, eras of sitcom television. Like you have the black and white, like I love Lucy where they're you know, like, Oh, hello, honey, you're home from work. And she's in her pearls and heels. And, and then there's like a scene that looks straight out of full house and a scene that's like straight out of Roseanne. I, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I have theories of how all of that will tie in, but uh, and they said that WandaVision is either going to lead straight into or be very closely tied to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Ooh. And that is the like bonkers, trippy stuff that I'm really excited about, really interested in, rather than the like 
you know, the space hopping 80s music, like Guardians, Thor Ragnarok. Um, I'm still going to enjoy it. I'm going to eat up every minute of it. But the multiverse stuff is what has me most intrigued. Um, and there was talk like, are they going to do multiverse stuff? But it's it's in the title of the Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's that's going to be kind of how they shoehorn Deadpool into this. And that's where they can be a little bit um, like self-referential, kind of breaking the fourth wall. Sam Raimi's directing the um, Doctor Strange 2, and he directed the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, like directed that entire series. So you can see like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man crossover. Yeah, that see that makes me think that what the Multiverse of Madness is going to do is like what Crisis on Infinite Earths did for DC is canonize like Marvel history. Yeah. And like there's the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man universe. There's the Yuan Culfer Fantastic Four universe. There's the, you know, Ben Affleck Deadpool. I mean, uh, sorry, not Deadpool. Uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Um, yeah. and, the, and most importantly, the Fox X-Men universe. Um, I, I don't, I, I think the Fox and X-Men universe is done, but you know, the possibility of Hugh Jackman being in a Marvel cinematic universe film, I think Hugh Jackman would, uh, you know, don the claws one more time. And, uh, okay. I never thought that Harrison Ford would come back after the force awakens. Yeah. And I ate my words but I felt like it was needed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could argue that he came back because Carrie Fisher um, died and they needed to get that sort of on-screen closure. But the fact is he came back. Yeah. And I know that Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman kind of looked at each other after Logan and said, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done. And that was the perfect swan song to send them off on. Like, oh yeah. Oh, my oh, goodness. But oh. I, I don't know it characters that are like I'm done it would fit for the fact that these are comic book movies because you know comic a character dies in a comic book movie give it a couple years they'll come back yeah. like an actor quits playing a character in a comic book movie give it a couple years they'll come back I, I guess that fits in the whole um, well comic book. you know and this is the way to make permanently bring bring wolverine at least into the marvel cinematic universe hugh jackman comes in there's a big fight he gets caught in an explosion his face burns off and then when his healing factor comes in he has a different face and it's a different actor you know so he's a, he's a doctor who regeneration yeah. basically basically <laughs> Oh man, Dallas, where would you where would you like to see it go? I have absolutely no expectations on this whatsoever. And isn't it exciting? It is. I and I I don't want it to kind of have the Star Wars syndrome where like they wrapped it up, I feel like, really well. And I don't want it to ever overstay its welcome. And that be how it ends. It ends on a bad note because they've made so many that they started to kind of turn sour. Everything that that's coming out looks fantastic. And I'm super cool with that. And I like it that they are leaning 
and Disney in general is leaning into like having series kind of be the filler instead of maybe having like this character gets his own movie. He gets a series so you can kind of explain origins and stories and then have that maybe dump into numbered like blockbuster movies at some point. And I hope, I hope that, I mean, Kevin Feige has said that the series are going to be movie level productions. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. the might of Marvel are behind them just as much as they are the movies. I just really hope that it's not like, not like B roll Marvel. Yeah. Like this is the Marvel proper is in the theaters. And then what's having happening. Ancillary is on the, the, I hope that they utilize this to tell the stories in a way that they need to be told. Yeah. The story yeah, exactly. would be yeah. better serialized. Give it a show on Disney Plus. Yeah. Like I hope they Mandalorian as, this business. Yeah. Like, the Mandalorian is work like, as a good. movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even even I said when I put the first season of Mandalorian, if you took out that uh prison break episode, yeah. It could have worked as a movie. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It could have worked as a movie. Like, you know, eight episodes, it was basically three and a half hours. If you took out the prison break episode, it's a good movie. Yeah. Like and but like, if you did it as a movie It'd be too long. Well, not that it would be too long. The you would not have eight weeks of the cultural conversation around Baby Yoda. (laughs) Oh yes, oh yes. That's and that's absolutely that's absolutely the case. But you know, I think because we have precedent for this before, Agents of Shield. You know, Agent Carter. Like Agent Carter, like is like the only show of the pre-Endgame TV shows to actually stay canon because. Jarvis shows up and Jarvis yeah, shows up. I know. Yeah. I was in Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he is the only TV character to make the hop to the films. Yeah. Mm. Like he is the only TV character to make the hop to the films. You know, Agents of Shield, God knows what they're doing. Like right. I haven't been watching it, you know. They pretty much gave up being connective tissues with the uh with the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. I think right now they're in the nineteen thirties for whatever reason and they spent like the last season in space um oh okay (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah fine and so because they tried to be connective to it but it was like that internal studio politics that i was talking about like the tv side and the film side they like didn't talk to each other right for the longest time and so like agents just agents of like they would do something on the movies and then agents of shield had to like rewrite around it and they can, um, which is which is unfortunate but i did I've, I've heard a theory that in order for um peter parker to clear his name that we may see a cameo from charlie cox's daredevil as matt murdoch um I because mean, if, of all of all of the the netflix because at that time with the the pushbacks and studio productions from the coronavirus that two-year lapse of when Netflix portrayed a character on television to when Marvel gets it back will have passed mm-hmm. by the time that that comes out. So I, I thought Charlie Cox's Daredevil was and phenomenal. If, if Kevin Feige has taught us anything through the end of Far From Home, they are not afraid to use other characters and technically other universes if it works. J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. Jameson. <laughs> yeah. 
And I love that he has like this like InfoWars conspiracy theory like radical mm. like like web series. Um, but I so think, I do I do want to kind of. Um, but let like, me. Go ahead. But I think the uh, the Disney Plus series. I think they are going to be like movie canon because yeah. a Kevin Feige now has complete control over yeah. all of Marvel now. Not like not just the uh, film side, but the TV side, the cartoon side, and the comic side. He owns it; it's his. <laughs> and um, and, and so I think with the Disney and with Disney Plus, all Marvel from this point on is going into one place. Right. Yeah. So the films are going to Disney Plus, and they'll be going to Disney Plus forever. And then the TV series will be there on Disney Plus. So the Marvel Cinema, it's not like the Runaways on Freeform, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, and Daredevil on Netflix. So I think, you know, it's like, hey, you have a Disney Plus account. You can there watch will be a, all of Marvel now. Yeah, you can watch you can watch it all, but there will be a lot of synergy between the shows. Exactly. The There'll be way more synergy story. now because it's all centralized in one place now. And that's Disney Plus. Um, I do want to kind of end things off tonight with um, uh, just wishes, I guess. Like, if you could make one wish of something, uh, an actor you want to see playing a character, a story that you've read from the comics that you want to be told, like, if you saw it on screen, like, what would be to you the way Cap Dancing with Peggy would be to Cody? Like, the moment you see it, you are just racked with these heaving sobs when it appears on the television. <laughs> so, um, hmm. Well, I'll let them think. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm content. Um, I'm content. Like, everything from this point on feels like bonus points. So, the last mm -hmm. thing, the last thing that I want really and this is just because like i did a deep dive a while back because it's just a good fantastic four movie mm. because that was stan lee's first team that was stan lee's first book and out of all of the books that gets adapted fantastic four deserves their day in the spotlight yeah um i that's and i i there's been a theory going on that avengers tower was sold to Reed Richards, you know, during Spider-Man, during Spider-Man Homecoming. And there was a brief moment there whenever he was having his hallucinations, his Mysterio hallucinations, where you see Avengers Tower and it started to glow blue and white. And I'm like, is that an Easter egg to the Fantastic Four? Well, if you look at the Avengers A and you've just shaved the left leg off of it. Yeah. And so, it's like, four. honestly, from this point <laughs> forward, like, Captain America of all the heroes are, is my favorite superhero of the Marvel side. Like, yeah. Captain, I, I'm a Boy Scout. Captain America on Marvel, Superman on DC. Like, <laughs> I'm truth the big justice in the American way. Yeah, I, 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 get I, I, get I believe yeah. in truth and justice in the American way. And so, like, Cap's story is done. <clears throat> yeah. His story is done. And so, you know, give me that Agent Carter season three where Cap and Peggy go go around saving the 1950s with Thor's hammer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So, you know, a good Fantastic Four movie. 
So overall, you're satisfied, but just a good Fantastic Four movie. Okay. All I really need is a good Fantastic Four movie. And honestly, there's nothing about Phase 4 that makes me scream, you know? I must see this in the theaters. Now, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, once I see the first trailer, I might be singing a different <laughs> tune. Dallas, what do you think? I, I don't have any wishes, I guess. I would like to see like a Hawkeye thing. There's Just a Hawkeye show coming. I know, and I think I, I like that. It depends on the which direction they take it. Like, is it going to be like a da-da-da superhero thing, or is this going to be like a gritty, dark, he's, he's unglued a little bit, kind of while he's on his murdering spree? Well, the Hawkeye series happened between Infinity War and Endgame. See that? That's going to be great. Is it going to be like a Predator oh. style, like dude snatching up folks and like dark Batman? Because Batman's my jam on the DC side. And yeah. kind of, I kind of like Hawkeye because he is the powerless ver. You know, like he's the the one, the, the weakest of all, I guess. So Ish. you want a you want a well written Green Arrow? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will say from the comic book side of things, there was a great Hawkeye series by Matt Faction, and it's essentially Gesundheit. Hawkeye, Matt Fraction, rather. Um, Hawkeye essentially develops a protege. So, uh, very, very good uh, story. His name Robin? No, it's actually a, a girl. Uh, uh, Kate girl Bishop. Robin? So, I, you know, I, I think that huh. would be good. I yeah, that'd be cool. I think I want some Disney-fied X-Men, and particularly, yeah, I want some Gambit. Yeah, I can see that. Channing the internet's Tatum been, clam- been clamoring Channing- for a Gambit. Channing Tatum, yay or nay? There's been talks of a Channing Tatum Gambit film for years. Now, I already mentioned my wife making eyes at Sexy Thor. I don't need a Sexy Gambit. <laughs> 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 well, Haley Haley Steinfeld has already been cast as Kate Bishop for the oh, Hawkeye right. series. Yeah, um, that'd be great. And there's there's a theory that that is going to be what kicks off the Young Avengers. Hmm. Is Hawkeye training his protege, and then she's going to be like a founding member of the Young Avengers with Tom Holland's Spider Man, uh, with Shuri. Um, Black Panther's sister, mm-hmm. um, Wicked uh, and Speed, um, Ant Man's daughter, and, yeah, uh, Cassie, um, Wicked and Speed, Wanda and Vision's two children, yeah, um, and that they're going to establish the Young Avengers. But that's like way, way down off. the road. Yeah. Um, my two wishes, and I will. We've been <laughs> we've been going for a long time. We'll kind of end it with this. Um, in honor of the uh, supposed or the planned release date of um, the Black Black Widow, which was supposed to come out today. Right, yeah. Um, my wish, and I don't know that they'll do it because I think deaths in the Marvel Cinematic Universe need to mean something, um, is when Cap returns to Soul Stone uh, to, is it Need of Lear? No. Anyways, when Boy Cap Mere. returns to Soul Stone, Boromir, yeah. When Cap returns the Soul Stone, he's able to bring Natasha back. Like the, the trade works 
and she is the taskmaster in the Black Widow movie. Hmm. And she had, had come back in the timeline to Natasha pre uh, Infinity oh, War. Yeah. Um, and at some point, like, there's the big reveal. That's what I want to happen. I don't know yeah. if they'll do it. What I would give for uh, to see the scene where Cap gets on Vormir and it's Red Skull. Encounters a red skull again. (laughs) (laughs) That that's my long shot request. The other one is uh, a fan casting that I want to just become real. I would love Reed Richards and Sue Storm to be played by John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And given his um, stint at directing, uh, John Krasinski hasn't directed a lot, but the movies that he has directed. Have he's knocked out of the park? Yeah, give him director seat for Fantastic Four, and have him play Reed Richards and Sue Storm, because their chemistry in a quiet place, playing an actual being an actual married couple and playing an actual married couple, yeah, was I mean you can't you can't beat it, um, and I and feel the, like having I, that chemistry between your two leads is going to be one of the essential components that the third attempt at the Fantastic Four movie needs. And I, at the very least, want the Human Torch to see a picture of Captain America and or Killmonger and just kind of glance at it for a long time, kind of wink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, on um, on that note, I'm going to head out of here. While we almost have the toddler, toddler potty trained, um, she no longer just like goes in her sleep and wakes up with a wet diaper. She wakes up when she has to go. And that's been oh, like, yeah. sometimes 530, sometimes six in the morning. So I'm going to try to hop in the bed, but um, this, once again, I mean, I I feel like this was even better than the first one. Um, Having this collective think tank to dissect these big uh, franchises uh, has got to be a staple and I'm calling it, we're doing Harry Potter next. Um, I am going to, I, I already have my digital background for zoom prepped. (laughs) (laughs) oh you're all gonna have to calm me down um (laughs) but this has been uh this has been great um thank you guys for doing this um long times indeed i'm gonna have a lot of questions i feel like for the next one that's okay i know all the answers (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm that person when somebody says, "Do you remember that part in Harry Potter when?" I go, "I remember every part." Go on. <laughs> I I still am like, "What was who's that one guy's name uh that did that one thing?" Cuz I don't have a It was a, rooted. It was actually all a dream in Harry's cupboard. Like the whole series was just a dream and Harry in in Harry's cupboard he's still in the cupboard and still eleven by the end of the seventh book. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> so I have a deep, have a, uh, a deep attachment to the end of the last book. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, you monster. 
<laughs> yes. All right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Later, guys. All right, see ya. Bye. Are you kidding? I'm working. All right, I'll be right there. And grab the movie. Go, 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 go. Come on, come on, my friend. Yeah. <laughs>